Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. Man, it's good to be here. It's been too long. I haven't seen you in, in too long, and I'm just really, really glad to be here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I look forward to saying hi to you after the service. It's uh, it's just a real privilege to be here, and I, I don't want to waste my time because, you know, I only have so much time, but I did want to say uh, what an encouragement you are as a community to our movement, Coastline Church, um, on the large scale. Uh, we share your stories across the movement. We share uh, what God is doing here uh, in all of our different locations. And, and we're just so thankful because God is building something pretty significant, really beautiful here. And so I just want to uh, congratulate you. And why don't you congratulate yourselves? Yeah, you're quite an incredible group of people doing a really neat work in your community and uh, on your in your Sunday gatherings. And so, you know, we just, we're, we're like, okay, how do we, how do we make space? Because people are coming and there's a lot of life there. It's beautiful. And so we have a heart for multiplication. And so we're praying into what that even means, even for some of our campuses, um, in terms of like, wow, what's their next step? Um, because they were part of the multiplication heart from our Victoria location. And now it's like, man, if we're not careful, we're going to have to multiply our multiplying places. So that kind of seems cool, doesn't it? That seems exciting. And it's just evidence that God is really up to something and doing something cool in your life. Um, you heard uh, Emily mention camp. And um, we, we have three weeks of, of camp going on right now. So we just finished kids camp. And now mids camp starts this week and then highs camp the week after. And my girls, my two, two youngest girls were serving at kids camp. And I could tell they were serving at kids camp for two reasons. One, Lisa and I had a party because they were gone. And two, they came back and they had a very zombied look on their faces. Like they had been at camp. I'm like, I'm sure Jesus did good things but you just need to go to bed, right? Because right now everything is terrible. The world is awful and everything's falling apart. But I think tomorrow morning, the joy of the Lord will be, ha will be your strength once again. And you'll have some good stories for us. So if you are sending kids to camp, just let me encourage you. When they get home, don't judge, okay? Don't judge. Just let them sleep. And then the next day, ask them how their time was because I'm looking forward to going home because when I left, my kids were still sleeping. Uh, because they're sleeping camp off. So anyway, camp is a wonderful experience. Thanks for praying with us about camp. Hundreds of kids, uh, youth, teens, whatever, are going to be going through camp this, these next couple of weeks. And, and God does significant things. The Holy Spirit really does some wonderful work in kids' lives at camp. So looking forward to that. And looking forward to some of those stories uh, coming back out of camp. Um, I want to say, like, I'm about to preach, but I want to say... Um, last week Emily preached, if you were here, you were treated to an amazing message. Did you hear Emily last week preach? Wasn't that a great message? Wow. So good. I wasn't here, but I got to listen on the podcast. And if you didn't know that, the West Shore has a podcast and you can follow along and you can listen to any of the messages that you miss. Um, but I'm just going to, I just want to reference where she was. She was in, in Acts chapter 10. 
Um, and, and kind of my heart today is just to continue to talk about how the Holy Spirit works through us. Because that's really what the book of Acts is all about. It's the Holy Spirit working through us. And, and so um, I just want to reference the fact that um, what Emily brought to us was this amazing picture of, of really of, of the Holy Spirit unlocking the kingdom of God for us who are non-Jews. It's kind of a big deal. It's such a big deal that chapter 11 actually basically repeats chapter 10 because it was so significant and so important for us because when the gospel came now available to all of us and we are now representatives of that beauty, and so the Holy Spirit starts to work. And I'm going to tell you a couple of things that the Holy Spirit does when, when he starts working. First thing I'm going to say is this. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you. Did you know that? Do you know that it's actually the Holy Spirit working when you are like, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. Like, this is truth. My life is being touched by this right now. And that's what happened to Cornelius, right? Like Emily said, Peter comes and preaches. And then they're all just like, yep, this is it. And boom, the Holy Spirit is there. And then they're like, whoa, we better catch up. Let's get them baptized, right? And the point was that when Jesus shows up, he shows up because the Holy Spirit reveals him. In fact, the Bible says it this way. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So every time a mouth confesses Jesus, it's through the Holy Spirit. And that's because the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. So, you know, he testified in the hearts of those that were in uh, through, through Peter to Cornelius' heart. And then he responds and, and, and then life comes. It's beautiful. And in the beginning of the book, book of Acts, um, Peter preaches, and, and the Holy Spirit is active, and they go, what do we need to do to be saved? And so then they start confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord, and they're baptized, and the Holy Spirit's at work. And even right now, the Holy Spirit is at work. Even for some of you right now, you're feeling a tug in your heart. Listen, that's the Holy Spirit calling you. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And while we're sitting here, the Holy Spirit can actually confirm that what you're hearing is not only truth, but it's truth for your life and truth that can change you. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does, reveals Jesus to you. Second thing, because we're just learning how the Holy Spirit works through us. Second thing I want to share with you is that the Holy Spirit reveals your purpose to you. Did you know that? Now listen, Emily, you're just doing such a great job up here telling everybody about GrowTrack. And I just really appreciate that. And some of you are like, wah, 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 wah. I've heard that before, right? Can I just tell you, that the Holy Spirit works in GrowTrack. And it's a time where the light can come on for you because it's like, oh my goodness, I'm seeing it now. This is the way God put me together. And now he's not just revealing Jesus to me, he's revealing the purpose that he has for my life. And so we pray that the Holy Spirit will be active in GrowTrack. And so listen, if you've not done it, you should do it today. Why wait? Why wait? Do it right now. Do it today. You know, people need purpose. They really do. All of us do. We all need purpose. In fact, we're all searching for significance. We're, we're all searching for meaning. We're designed that way. And if you were to Google right now the meaning of life, you would find a plethora of information, right? Everybody's trying to figure it out. There's endless books on the meaning of life, the meaning of your life, you know, searching for meaning. Just put that puppy in there and you'll get like 50 different books. How exhausting. 
Do I have to read 50 books to figure out how to even just search for meaning? I mean, I just think the world is looking for meaning. And, and I just, I'm so encouraged by this thought that the Holy Spirit reveals your purpose to you. Because isn't it good to know that you're not on your own to figure this out? That you don't have to read all 50 books, right? You don't have to try to sort this out to figure out your purpose. Isn't it good to know that the Holy Spirit is ready and willing to reveal that to you? I feel encouraged about that. I feel inspired about that because I'm just learning even more how the Holy Spirit works through us. He reveals our purpose to us. So I want you to see this in living color as we look in the Bible. We're going to look at the... Really briefly, we're going to look at the 13th chapter of Acts, and we're going to see what happens. This is in the church in Antioch, which was kind of the first non-Jewish gathering place. And it was a vibrant church full of different cultures. And God starts working. The Holy Spirit starts to work. And it's, what we're going to read about is Paul and Barnabas finding their purpose as missionaries. And so read it with me. It'll come up on the screen. And I'm going to read in verse 2 of chapter 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Now, I just want you to know, it wasn't like a thundering voice from heaven. This was something they were discerning in their hearts. The Holy Spirit was speaking to them. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, which is Paul, by the way, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, so they kept their fasting and praying going, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So it's like, man, you guys are going on an adventure. You're going out there. And the two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit revealed purpose to them, revealed what they were supposed to do. And then they were sent out with the Holy Spirit. And they went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. So this is the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. First of three. He takes four trips. One he never returns from because it was the end of his life in Rome. But the first three were missionary journeys. And this is the very beginning of that. And for Paul, this is the beginning. This is the moment that Holy Spirit activated his purpose. And so he begins. It's totally awesome. The Bible says set apart. Set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them to. Did you know that you're set apart? Did you know that? Uh, maybe, you don't, maybe you think that's really cool for Paul and Barnabas. And wow, what an amazing journey. I want you to know you're set apart. And let me prove it to you because Paul, this same guy, says it later. He says it to the church of Ephesus that he wrote this letter to them, but for all churches. They were supposed to circulate it around, and it matters to you as well. And here's what he says. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were created to do something. Can someone say amen to that? You're listening so well. I hope you're not sleeping. You were created to do something. And the Holy Spirit wants to reveal that something to you. Listen, don't be satisfied to simply hear me say that and it not change your life. And it not affect your choices. Because you've been created to do something. God wants to use you. He wants to use your life. And this is significant. This is transforming. This is how communities are transformed. It's how churches are set on fire. It's how cities are changed. It's how revival comes because people go, I got a purpose. I'm here on purpose. I'm created for a purpose. Man, this is good preaching, guys. I don't know if you know it or not, but this is really good preaching. Almost as good as Emily's. 
So the church surrounded Paul and Barnabas, and the Bible says they placed their hands on them. And I just want you to understand that the Holy Spirit can use others to confirm your purpose. You know, there's people around you that want to walk with you, and that's part of this, this grow track process as well. It's like we just get around you, and we say, man, we see what God's doing in you. We want to help you activate that. And some people are saying, yeah, you just want free labor. No, I, man, we're way past free labor. I'm telling you what. We're way past free labor. We just know that you're a better human when you're in God's purpose. You're a better believer when you're actively doing something for God because you've been created for something. Can you imagine if, if, if you were a, a vehicle and no one ever drove you, you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. That's right, because the vehicle is created for a purpose. Somebody's got to get in that puppy and drive it. You're created for a purpose as well. You're a vehicle, and the Holy Spirit wants to fill you and then set you loose to see you do something amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So they place their hands on them. So why is it that so many people, you know, as we're talking about this idea of the Holy Spirit revealing your purpose, why is it that so many people don't experience the clear direction that they could from the Holy Spirit? Well, two reasons. One is they're trying to figure it out alone, right? We see that the, the church was involved here. It's a lot of times we're living in a vacuum. We're not quite sure what to do with that. But the second one goes back to what we were just reading about Paul and Barnabas in that church in Antioch. Because in Acts 13, it says that the Holy Spirit revealed his purpose for Paul and Barnabas as they worshiped, as they prayed, and as they fasted. Listen, here's the deal. The reason why so many people don't have clarity on the purpose of God for their life is because it requires effort and focus. It's like, and I've said this so many times, I'll say it again. The scriptures say that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. There's something wonderful about the effort and the searching of like, God, what have you put in here? Your life is created. It's a workmanship. There's a treasure inside of you that gets to be revealed as you serve the Lord and as you allow him to work in you. So it requires effort. It requires focus. But here's the deal. Some of us would prefer an internet health coach who will show you how intermittent fasting will change your life right? Sometimes we prefer a life hack. You know, I'm going to fold all these clothes in 30 seconds. Watch me do it. You can learn my technique, right? Or, or sometimes it's about a new investment strategy. Oh man, we're going to send our finances through the roof. But the truth is, friends, God is looking for people who will actually say, I'm set apart, so I will set myself apart so I can hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say. That's who I am. I'm set apart. And so I will set myself apart. So listen, get alone. Get quiet. Seek God. Put in the work. Pray fast. Man, I tell you, when I fast, the Lord gives me such a sense of clarity. It is a pathway to clarity in hearing God's voice. And let worship just fill your life. So the Holy Spirit reveals your purpose to you. He reveals Jesus to you. And the Holy Spirit also wants to direct you in fulfilling that purpose. And again, I just love this. You're not alone to figure it out, and you're not alone to finish the work. God is with you. God wants to do this with you. The Holy Spirit wants to do this with you. So let's fast forward now to Paul's second missionary journey. 
He's with Silas and a a group of companions, including Luke, who is the writer of Acts. And so you'll hear a lot of we language now because Luke is like present. He's like, I was there before I was reporting. Now I'm telling you the story and I was there. And so we get into chapter 16 and we start to see the beginnings of Paul's second missionary journey. This is really cool. So let's read a couple of verses together. Acts 16, 6 through 10. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of 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 Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept, listen, kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's Asia Minor, which is like southern Turkey. It's where the seven churches of Revelation are and so on. I just came back from Turkey and Greece, so this is all really vivid for me. And I'm going to show you a few pictures in just a few minutes. So if your neighbor's sleeping, tell them to wake up because they don't want to miss the pictures, right? They want to miss the pictures, right? All right. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. Listen, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So in the course of just a couple, I'm going to pause right there. In the course of just a couple of verses, the Holy Spirit is forbidding and, and, and directing their lives. So they, they're not going to go here. No, the Holy Spirit says no. We're not going to go here. No, no, Jesus shows up and says no. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, which, by the way, is by ancient Troy, just down from it, Troas. And while they were there, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So the Holy Spirit wants to direct the fulfilling of their purpose. And this is, to me, is very powerful. Two times God forbade them, and then the third time God gives a clarifying vision. I actually don't want you going to Bithynia. I don't want you going down into Asia. I I want you to literally, from Troas, go across the ocean to Macedonia. Now, Macedonia, by the way, I'll just explain this to you. Macedonia is a very interesting area. And God's about to open up a whole new adventure for the Apostle Paul. And this is his first time to cross over into Europe. And so Paul's now on European soil. And here's the thing. God intends for your life to be a great adventure in his amazing plan. I say this to my kids all the time. I say it to the staff. I I say it to to people who are just like discovering their gifts. I say this all the time. I say following God's direction is the best thing you can do because he will take you on the most unforgettable adventure of your life. It's an amazing adventure to serve the Lord. It's wild. It's out on the edge. There's a story to be told. And uh, I want you to experience. So this man from Macedonia says, come over and help us. That was the vision. We need help. And so Macedonia is very interesting, okay, because we're now in the Roman Empire, which is the dominant world power of this time that the Bible was written in. But he's going to Macedonia. And now Macedonia was the previous dominant kingdom because Macedonia is where Alexander the Great is from. And Alexander the Great, you know, conquered all this world. And then his, his, um, his, his uh, empire broke up after he died. His generals started fighting and they all claimed some territory. And so that empire ended in one generation. And the Roman Empire rose up. But Macedonia was actually where Alexander the Great was. So it was the heart of Greek culture. 
quite interesting. It was a massive area. It was a, a big chunk of Greece and what is now modern-day Greece and what is now uh, North Macedonia, if you've ever heard of that. So those two countries together, a big chunk of that makes up Macedonia. Macedonia was so big that the Romans were worried that we've got to tame these puppies because they've got deep culture, they've got, they've got um, uh, conquering roots, and they might rise up. So what they did is they took Macedonia and they broke it up into three different um, kind of provinces, and they put a leading city in each one. And the leading cities were Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. And so now when you understand that, you understand why when Paul went across to the people of Macedonia, he went to Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. Why? That's the big city. Those are the leading cities in those areas. And he wanted to reach people. He went right to the heart of the Macedonian um, legacy and strength. And he went right there and he did it on purpose. And what an adventure. It's quite amazing. So these three cities became the first three cities that Paul plants churches in in Europe. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Okay, so let's look at what happens in each. And I, I promise I won't be that long. Plus, you're having a good time, right? Yeah, yeah, we're having fun. It's good. Okay, so let's look at what happens. So Philippi begins in like a really, really great way because there's this wonderful woman named Lydia who's from Thyatira, and she's the very first European con uh, convert in the world. It's pretty amazing. Her name is in the Bible. It's quite an interesting story. And so let's look at it. So Paul comes to Philippi. He walks, he walks from Neapolis, which was on the shore, and then he walks into Philippi. And when he gets there, here's what the story says. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. That means she has money, okay? Because purple cloth, very expensive. In order to make purple cloth, you had to use this like little sea animal that you like get one squirt out of. And so they'd have to get lots of squirts. So it was like, purple's hard, okay? Purple was really hard. And so she was a dealer in purple. She had money. Yeah, that's right. And it's royalty. It's the color of royalty. So she was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And this is such a significant moment. See, when the Jews didn't have a synagogue, they would go outside the city on the Sabbath. And they would meet together and they would pray and they would, they would practice their faith. And they had to do it away from the Gentiles. But in every one of these communities, there were Jews. And there were those who were God-fearing. And so they would come out. And so... Paul and Silas and his crew, they went out there hoping to find some people to talk to where they might have some common ground to start with talking about God. And, um, and so they found Lydia, and she wasn't, she wasn't a Jew, but she was a God-fearer, which means she had converted in her heart to believing in the one true God. And he took up from there and taught her about Jesus, and she accepted Christ, her and her whole household. That's what this says. And I want to show you a picture now. Here's a picture of the place where Lydia was baptized. Now, this is super cool. This is just outside of the ancient city of Philippi. That river still flows. Can you believe it? That river is still flowing right now. And, and I was, that's me. Did you know that? Could you tell? Here's me. That's, what, that's how, you, when you show everybody your pictures, you're like, and here's me. Right? So here's me. 
And this was our crew that came with us to learn about the, this land of the Bible. But you can see the river just flows right in front of me. It's not big. It's not, you know, it's not the Fraser, right? It's just a little trickle. But this is where, this is the place where they, they say that Lydia was baptized. This is the place where they met together and they prayed. And right here, she was led to the Lord and all of her family baptized. And that's a pretty significant place um, to um, have, have been and to learn. You can take that down. But what ended up happening in this, in this beautiful moment is that they were off to this great start. And, and I just want to actually reflect on the worship set that we had. Because I noticed, I mean, maybe it's because of me knowing what I was going to preach, but I noticed in the worship set, there was this sense of like, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to praise you when it's good. I'm going to praise you when it's not. I'm going to praise you through the fire. You know, Christ Be Magnified had a bunch of that stuff in it too, and that praise song, which we're going to sing at the end, by the way. You guys got to get that one in your heart. It's good. It's good. And so... I just think that, you know, it's important now for us to understand the Holy Spirit is working. But just because the Holy Spirit's working doesn't mean everything is just like, boom, up and to the right. Right? There's challenge in life. I hope that encourages, not discourages you. Because sometimes we wonder, like, God, where are you in the midst of this? I want you to know he's right there. He's right in the middle of it. God doesn't promise it's going to be easy. What he promises is I'm going to be there. And that's the joy of being a Christian. So God faithfully teaches us that purpose and comfort are not the same thing. Amen? They're not the same thing. So what happens next is quite interesting because after this great experience, they go stay in Lydia's house and they start to preach in Philippi, which is this, you know, this kind of, this, this important city. It's the leading city in that province, that area, that, that northern province of Macedonia. And so they start to preach, and people are interested, and it's going really well. Um, but the Bible says there's this girl who's following them around who had this, this gift of fortune-telling. And it was, it was actually an evil spirit in her that would proclaim things. And this was actually very common in Greek culture, in, in this area. They would worship. There's a place called Delphi that's not far from here. And in Delphi, they would worship um, this particular shape. It was a god. It was shaped like a serpent. And inside the temple was a woman who was literally a fortune teller. And so people would come from all over to talk to her, to ask her, should I go to battle? Should I not go to battle? Should I marry this person, not marry this person? Should I invest this money? Should I not? They would come to her. And so this was a common thing. So this young girl was possessed by the same spirit that was at work in Delphi. And it was like a really great benefit to those who were her owners. And so she was a slave girl, and she had this spirit. And so let's see what happens. It says, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She's not lying. She's telling the truth. The problem is we don't need the devil to share our message because that just, that just messes it up, right? And so Paul's like listening to this, and she kept this up for many days, and finally, Paul became so annoyed. I like that. I'm not the only one. He got so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone. So it was all about exploiting that woman. And Paul sets her free. Yeah? 
Uh, she wasn't going to complain about being free, but they were going to complain. The exploiters, the traffickers were going to complain here. Their hope of making money was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So I'm going to show you that marketplace now because it's still there. This is, the, this is a picture of what's known as the Agora in ancient Philippi. Uh, it's coming. There it is. And what I want, the reason why this is so significant is this is just a, uh, the top of a pillar that had fallen over. There was earthquakes, destroyed Philippi, whatever. But I want you to see that right here, these steps, Paul stood there. That's where they took him. When they dragged him off, they dragged him right there because that's the magistrate's building. It's just the steps, but this column helps us understand what it, was, what it was there for. The place that it was in the Agora, which is what the marketplace is called, lets us know that that's the exact spot where they would have dragged Paul. They would have dragged him right there. And so it's quite interesting to have been standing there. Apparent number 804 as well. It's important. <laughs> to, to have been standing right there. It's quite amazing. And so here it is. Paul could have easily said, I was following you, God. You know, why did this result in a, in, in a negative end rather than a positive end? I was expecting, like, the formula to work. This doesn't work. This isn't the formula, God. Didn't we get this straight when we started? Many have felt upset like this. Many have felt angry with God because it didn't go the way that we thought. We had this bargain with God, but the problem is God didn't make the bargain with us. We made it with God. And, you know, here's how it goes. Okay, God, you lead, I'll follow, and you bless me. Right? Now, listen, I want to say on the long, in the long run, absolutely. Absolutely, God will bless your life. God will use your life. God will bless your life. But listen, on the short term, you can look and you can say, I'm leading, or you're leading, I'm following, and you're not blessing. And our formula isn't God's formula. And in that moment, it's a little frustrating. So Paul frees this girl. He's dragged to the authorities. And then next, he's beaten because of what he did. And thrown into prison. I got to visit the prison. Here's, a, here's the sign to the, to the entrance of that prison. You'll get to see that in just a second. And so uh, I want to I be careful of time, but I want, I want you to think of this. There's a man named Dr. Victor Frankel. Maybe you've heard of him. And I've talked about the meaning of life already. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, in like 1947, I think is when the book was written. And he was in a concentration camp. And in that concentration, he's a doctor, psychologist. And while he was in that concentration camp, he's seeing all the other, you know, prisoners and watching with, with a, you know, a watchful eye the difference between many of the prisoners. And many of these prisoners are so undone. They're basically, they're going mad. They're uncontrollably weeping. They've gone fetal. They're rocking. They're absolutely going crazy. And he developed a sense of understanding about how to discover meaning regardless of the circumstance. And, and I, the book is fascinating if you want to read it, Man's Search for Meaning. But he said, basically, what I learned 
is that you can find purpose no matter where you are and no matter what you're facing. No matter what your circumstances are. He says there's three sources of meaning that you can always find. It's work. It's love. And it's sacrifice. He would also say it's work. It's love. And it's suffering. It's suffering. Quite interesting, because that's where we've kind of landed today. And, and, and there was something in the heart of Paul that allowed him to say, my purpose is not about my comfort. They're not the same thing. And so Paul and Silas didn't get bitter. They didn't get angry, even though they got thrown into prison. And here's a picture of the cell that Paul and Silas were in right there. And, and even though they were in prison, they're not weeping but they're singing and they're worshiping in the midnight hour. They're worshiping God, praising his name. And if you know the storyline, you know what happens. In the middle of the night as they're worshiping, an earthquake comes, breaks open all the cells. And the jailer who was there was so concerned that, you know, he was responsible for those, those cells and those prisoners. And he was sure they had ran off. And so Paul had to stop him from killing himself because he was going to kill himself because he had not done his job. Paul said, stop, we're all here. And he preaches the gospel to him, and the jailer and his whole family become Christians. They all meet Jesus. It's kind of interesting to think about the, the parody of purpose in that. Right? Because I'm out here preaching, and Lydia's getting baptized, and her family's saved, and people are hearing the gospel, and now I'm in prison. God, what did I do wrong? But when you see the jailer, and you see the storyline here, you're able to say God loved the jailer and those in the jail so much that he allowed Paul to suffer so that he could reach them with his love. It's something powerful. And that's not the formula, God. But in this case, it certainly was. It certainly was. And so that's why Paul, years later, in the church, to the church in Rome, he asked this question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, think about Paul, or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he answers, no, no, no. No, no, no. God's love transcends that. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. His love wins. His love is better. His love is strong. And somebody needed to hear that today, that the pain you feel doesn't mean you're outside of God's love. Because that's a lie the enemy likes to use on us. Our suffering actually can be a vehicle for his love to be shown. To be shown to you, but also to others. And even when Paul was converted, Ananias, who was the one who went to pray for him, God said to him, I'm going to show Paul how much he must suffer for me. It was always going to be a part of Paul's life. And so he's released from jail. And he leaves Philippi, fresh wounds on his back, and he goes to Thessalonica. And within a short order, the Jews are ready to kill him. They drag him before the magistrates. They try to drag him, but they can't find him. So they drag somebody else that came, that he led to Christ. And they sneak him out of the city before he can be killed because they were going to murder him as well. And there was all this fruit with the Jews and the Greeks, but then the jealous Jews opposed him and he, he had to flee. That's Acts 17. 
And then from there, he goes to Berea, the next of the capital city. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you a picture of Thessalonica just so you can see it. This is the only ruins that are left in Thessalonica. It's like the second biggest city in Greece. It's like second only to Athens. It's massive, but this agora is where, this marketplace is where Paul would have been taken. It's kind of cool. And now I'll show you Berea. Berea, another big city. There's no ruins left, but this is the site where that synagogue used to be. So on this side, you've got the vision of the man from Macedonia. Come and preach to us. And over here, you've got Paul preaching in Berea. And so we, we had a moment there together, and it, it, was, it was quite sweet. But what happens in Berea is very beautiful as well, because Paul, man, it's amazing. He just goes right back to it. Let's look at verse um, 10 of chapter 17. It says, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. I'm just like, man, you're amazing, Paul. The wounds are still fresh, right? They're still, I mean, he's hurting. And yet he goes straight to the synagogue, straight to the place where he may or may not be accepted. You see, wherever God leads, it's going to require courage. And he's going to give you the courage to go there. That's the way it works. Paul's beaten and jailed, threatened, and runs out of town. And yet he's back. He's back. He's back preaching again in Berea. You know, in terms of this idea of understanding that there's a sacrifice and a courage required, I, I was at a wedding yesterday, and one of the stories that was told triggered my memory about a really sweet young girl who's a part of our youth group and now now she she just got married she's not in the youth group anymore but thank god that's too young but she's married and starting her life with her husband they're doing ministry together but she was she went to uh pcs which is the christian school all all her upbringing and in grade summer between grade 11 and 12 she said she felt like god said to her i want you to go to a different school. I want you to go to Reynolds. Like, specifically, go to that school. It's not even in her catchment. I want you to go to Reynolds. And so she's like, wow, okay, I want to be obedient. I want to learn to hear God's voice and do what he says. But, like, it's grade 12, and I'm on the basketball team, and this is my last go, and I have all these friends, and, like, lifelong. But she just felt so impressed that it was the Lord. And so with courage, she said, hey, guys, I love you, but next year, God's got a mission for me, and I don't know what it is. And I remember those early days starting the year at Reynolds. It, she wasn't happy. It was really hard. She didn't have deep friendships. She didn't really know why she was there. And then one day, one of the other girls said to her, hey, I, I, I hear that you're a pretty committed Christian. And Brooklyn was like, oh, and she said, well, I'm a pretty committed atheist. That's where the conversation started. But God was up to something. Because in the course of time, Brooklyn praying for her, ministering to her, she came to summer camp at Nanus Bay with Brooklyn. And she gave her life to Jesus there. And after that, she started attending Coastline. And I'm just so thankful for the courage of that grade 12 girl who said, you know, it's going to cost me something. It's not going to be comfortable, ease, 
and calling aren't necessarily the same thing. Purpose and ease are not the same thing. I'm going to do what's hard. And as a result, there's fruit. And you know, if you look at these stories that I was just sharing with you, many of us would say, I don't think I want to sign up for that. I don't want to sign up for beatings in Philippi and being chased out of town in Thessalonica. And, and then in Berea, the same thing happens again, and he has to run off to, to Athens. You see, you can miss the long-term plan of God in the short-term pain of your circumstance. And it requires courage to believe that God is up to something. Some of you are in a difficult place, a difficult relationship, a difficult work situation, a, a difficult emotional state. You're in a difficult place. It'd be easy. It'd be easy to not function with courage. But I want to I want to just I just want to say to you that God has a purpose even in your pain. God has a plan in the middle of suffering and you can't see it. I I don't think Paul ever saw you and me here today. But the word of God in Philippians, the word of God in Thessalonians, those books that he, those letters that he wrote that have become books in my Bible have changed people for generations. All he was doing was just being faithful and obedient and courageous with what he knew God had called him to do. And yet the world has changed because of it, right? So when the Holy Spirit starts working, friends, just trust him. Let the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus to you, a, a fresh revelation of him. Maybe, maybe you've never followed Christ, and maybe today what's happening for you is you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit because, because he wants you to confess Christ as your Savior. And maybe for you, you're, you're thinking like, I, I'm just foggy on what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. But God wants to give you through his Spirit a passion to be dedicated and devoted to discovering that. And we want to help you. And maybe for some of you, you know what it is you got to do. <laughs> but it's going to require courage. It's not easy. It's really hard. And it might even be painful. But God wants to walk you through that. Pray with me, will you? Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much that through your word, we just learned story after story of the possibility of what happens when we let you get involved in our lives. And so in this moment, I just pause and I say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and be the revealer of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and be the revealer of purpose. Come, Holy Spirit, and give courage that directs the fulfilling of what you've called us to. And Lord, we thank you so much for your amazing love. It is such an incredible truth for us, such an incredible motivator for us. And in, in the middle of every suffering, we don't have to doubt your love. In the middle of every difficulty or any perplexity, we don't have to doubt your love. You love us so completely. 
and our light and our momentary suffering cannot be compared with the glory that you are revealing in us. And so we pray a very bold prayer today. Maybe you've never, now talking to you, maybe you've never prayed this prayer before. But we pray, God, thank you for using my suffering. Thank you for using my suffering. Thank you for revealing Jesus, revealing your purpose, and leading me with great courage into my future with you. In Jesus' name, amen.